Blog Talk Radio. Radio and Spotify, as well as 
iTunes and YouTube and Spreaker and SoundCloud and Podcast.com and Podcast Garden, FM.com, TuneIn Radio, um, MixCloud. We're all over. We are heard in over 150 countries now, and we are heard completely in the North and South America. We are heard completely in Europe. We are heard completely in the Asian countries. We are heard almost completely in the whole continent of Africa. There's just a few of the countries that haven't picked us up yet, but we are heard all over the world, and it's all your fault. And I'm so tickled to death because this is not my show. This is your show. It's you, the guest. It's you, the listener. And those of you that continue to listen, continue to follow the show, continue to spread the show, I am so, so grateful. Because as of this morning, we were at 114,554 listeners just on the show. That does not include all the podcasts. I did not get all of the podcast numbers up, but we are pretty close to, I want to say, 150,000 listeners with all the podcasts plus the show itself. And I am so humbled and so grateful and so appreciative to each and every one of y'all because y'all are the ones that make this show successful. I'm just a facilitator. I could sit here all day and talk and nobody would care. But because... My guests hang with me. They keep coming back. They love to come back. You, the listener, keeps listening. It is very humbling, and I appreciate it. Now, there's two ways to get on the show. One, you can be a guest on the show. All you have to do is contact me or have your agent or your PR person contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com and send me your songs, your bio, your headshot, I'll get you on the show, or if you're kind of shy and you want to get exposure, but you're not real sure about being on the show, send me an ad for 10 bucks for however many shows I do in a month. I'll run that ad for a month. I'm not in it to make money. I'm in it to help you succeed. You can either send it to me in MP3 format. You can send it to me in written form, and we'll take it and run with it. And to start the show... Two of my original sponsors, I want to start with them, and then we'll run the other three ads later on in the show. But Inside Your Life with Cece Chamberlain, she was, one, she was my very first corporate sponsor. I am so grateful for her. She has a podcast, which is a motivational, passionate conversation, and she interviews people who are living their true purpose, whether it be a professional boxer, an author, or a history enthusiast. Cece strives to give one hope for a brighter day with her inspirational words. So download, subscribe, and listen as Cece guides you to pursue your dreams and for you to live your best life possible. This fantastic show is available on podcast.com, iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere podcasts are available. Diane Mode is an author, and God love her. She has been with me since forever and a day. She thinks I don't charge enough, and she and I have this conversation all the time, but I do charge enough. I charge more than enough because my goal is to make Diane and Cece and and everyone that comes on this show more successful. And Diane has a series of books, and the second in the series goes like this. Wherever a hapless animal whimpers in the dark, wherever the system fails to protect an animal, She'll be there, and she isn't giving up anytime soon, so you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on some of her most dangerous acts of vigil antiism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam's world as she unknowingly circles his. As they chase each other, will Sam put those that she loves most in harm's way in order to bust up that ring? With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life that Sam's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever leave. Buy Diane Moat's latest book in the Sam Holden series, Dogfight. It's on Kindle. And if you haven't read how all of it started, begin the journey with Dog Gone by Diane Moat. It is also on Kindle. 
So those two ladies, check them out, and I will run three more ads throughout the show. But I'm going to tell you what, I've got the most fantastic songwriter, musician. I listened to his music today, and it just it inspired me. And then playing I Am Love by him, it if you don't have faith, ladies and gentlemen, you need to get some because this man and his work will will just open up your heart and pour it in whether you want it or not. His name is Ed Roman, and he is an award-winning singer, songwriter, performer, and multi-instrumentalist, say that fast three times, from Shelburne, Ontario, Canada. Blurring the lines between pop, rock, folk, and country music genres, Ed's uniquely crafted songs have received regular rotation on more than 100 terrestrial radio stations across North America and more than 600 stations worldwide. Ed is a 2014 Artist Music Guild Award nominee, a 2014 International Music and Entertainment Association Award winner, and a 2018 nominee. A two-time 2015 IMEA Award nominee, a 2015 and 2016 Josie Show Awards winner, an Academia Awards winner, and a two-time Indie Music Channel Award winner. This man is phenomenal. He recently won a 2017 Radio Music Award for Best America Artist, and his latest release is the critically acclaimed album Red Omen. And if I'm not mistaken, I Am Love is on this album. Without further ado, Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for making my day. You are a sweetheart, Yvonne. I just love listening to your voice. It's just... Uh, you know, you were talking earlier, saying to your fans, the people that have helped support the station and everything that's going on and off the chain, and you use that phrase, "It's your fault." <laughs> I just love that sense of humor and wit. I just—you got to turn that key just a little bit sometimes. So, with that that's said, true. it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and it is their fault. It's all y'all's fault because this show started. July the 21st in 2016, and I thought, well, if I get a 1,000 listeners, I will be happy. And I, I put this show out there, and I said, okay, people, this is what I'm doing. You want to be a part of it. And I have shows booked up through the end of the year. <laughs> See, that's incredible. That's And, I, you know, I'm on the same page with that because everything that's happening with my career and people that listen to the music, as far as I'm concerned, we're, we're doing it together. All those acclamations and the awards and the nominations you were talking about, that's because of my management, Michael Stover, and everything that we've been doing together. I wouldn't be where I am today with that kind of help, and being on a show like this has that same effect. I, I appreciate your, your words when you're saying you're trying to help people. and it, You know, this is the thing. This medium and, and the way that you can reach out, like you're talking to all the different countries that you're in now, isn't it amazing that, like, years ago, with the you know even with telephone or you know having to do stuff with television and major radio it was so difficult you can speak yes. to people all over the world and the show can go all over the world and i think that's just an amazing place to be in right now i mean we're heard in places Ed, like iran china <laughs> egypt jordan japan the soviet union slovakia of all places hey that's me that's i'm slovak See, so your Slovakian uh, cousins, aunts, and uncles, in-laws, outlaws, friends, and frenemies will hear you on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dobro it. Dobro noc. Dobro noc. Yeah. <laughs> See, and and speaking of of your 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 history, let's just take a step back in time because, as you well know, and I have to educate some of my first time. Um, Yes, because most a lot of them don't understand what they're selling is not the brand. That's just a byproduct. They are the brand, and people want to know about them. And then we'll get to your songs because your songs are marvelous. But I want to know your your background, your history, because before we went live, you you told me that you grew up among the the um, Aborigines Indians up in Canada, and you lived on a farm, and you learned how to appreciate what we are so blessed with, and that is Mother Earth and the things she gives us without asking anything in return except that we take care of it. 
How did you get from there to where you are today? <laughs> Wonderful question. I think it's like a 57 Chevy blowing up in your kitchen almost. Um, <laughs> the, with, with the connection to the Scugog um, indigenous people here in Canada, when my father, they first immigrated here from Slovakia, as you had mentioned, um, they had originally settled in Port Perry. And in Port Perry, just north of Toronto here in Canada and Ontario, um, is there are many denominations of Aboriginal people, but one of which is the Scugog Island Indians. And our farm, the little farm that they had there, was right up against the reservation. So my dad spent a lot of time in that community. But as we got older as kids, and my dad, mom, and I, you know, we went on vacations and trips. We would often go to, to places that were, you know, either had a powwow or or something like that because my dad was so interested in that part of Canada and coming from a different country um, and then being more so embraced by, by those people when he first came here. He just felt really a, a, attuned to that and akin to that kind of culture. And then from, from that whole part and that stem of that existence of my family, both my sides of my family were always farming. We had an enormous uh, um, cattle ranch. We had dairy cattle mostly. We had 1,500 head. My mom and dad, they brought Blanc d'Aquitaine cattle in originally from France and uh, to Canada in the 1970s. They were a type of beef cattle. They're right across the country right now. They had the first embryo transplant center uh, everywhere they were doing embryo transplant to recipient animals. But at the same time, the 1,500 acres that we had was a cash crop farm, but, you know, <laughs> huge gardens that were filled with vegetables every year. And some of my earliest memories were, were hoeing <laughs> and pulling weeds. And, you know, my mom, she's a hell of a lady. God bless her. She, you know, she's the one who first instilled that passion in me and my brothers and sisters. And same thing with my dad. I, I can remember my my dad coddling vegetables like they were children because he was so proud of what we had done. And I think the pride factor, that big, we did this because of how we live our lives, is a big part of what you're talking about, that question. Why and how did you get to that point? And, and, and to tell you the truth, Yvonne, you know, you're a writer yourself. The creative process for me is, is exists in so many places in my life, and I see growing food and 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 gardening, anything for that matter, a close a kinship to writing music and the creative process because, you know, it's like planting a seed. You you get the spark of an idea, and you nurture it. You you look at what it needs and what it requires, and most of the time, what I love about it is it's asking you questions. So that you you can kind of you know pull yourself through a new experience in the process, and in the end, <laughs> it starts to sustain you. It starts to feed you that thing that you work so hard towards. So so it kind of you know it's weird to say, but it's all kind of connected in the, in that way, and 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 why I feel you know so close to to that aspect of my life and what I do. And music has that sort of spiritual con- connection, just like gardening for me. And that brings me to, now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have this song on the playlist tonight, but I listened to it today. And I was telling Ed before we went live that the song that I listened to called um, I Found God touched me in such a way because those of you that know me know that I have a very deep, abiding, and sustaining faith. If I didn't, I probably would have committed suicide a long time ago. But what Ed was saying in this song, and this goes back to the gardening and the farming and the the nurturing and the the the, the cuddling of the vegetables that your father did, because those were like his children. Yeah. It, the 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 song I found God in it. Ed says, "Look at the sky, look at the ground." That's where God is. And you you are so right. We are surrounded by the magnificence of him because he has provided the earth and the seeds for us to live. Well, you know what? I, I don't want to like get emotional because it means a lot that you're saying that. As I said off air, we were talking 
you know, it's an epitaph song. It's something that I would want scrolled across a gravestone because, you know, it, it, the, having those realizations about your living environment is 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 that spiritual connection to that higher form of existence. It has it has so much going on that you know, and this is why I'm like a big proponent of growing your own food. Or, you know, people will say to me. You know, they tie it into certain things that are sociological, like, oh, are you a prepper? And I'm like, no, my grandparents did this, and my parents did it, and they taught it to me, and I don't see anything about pre- prepping or it having that connotation other than, like, I'm preparing myself for dinner. I'm putting <laughs> food away, and I'm preparing for winter. <laughs> I'm, you know, and I think that skill is such an important thing to have in the consumer species of existence that we live in from everything is 247 when you need it um to like and it's and sunday shopping i remember when i was a kid you know there was everything was closed on sunday because people were worshiping they did what they did they spent time with their families having that downtime even inside of gardening or or taking a walk in the bush allows for that that filtration of all that stuff because there are so many things that separate us from it. And that's the thing. When I go to the grocery store even and I think to myself, well, I don't need to buy that and I don't need to buy that. And I, and I say it to myself out loud or I talk to people about food in a store like, hmm, we live in Canada and we could be growing this, 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 this and that and the other thing, but why are we importing it from thousands of miles away? And meanwhile, exactly. the family, meanwhile, the family farm is, is struggling and it's, and it's kind of going down the tubes and it can be harder actually for people to start a farm as a result of that, but the know-how and the ability to do it and share that knowledge with your children or you're learning it from your grandparents or your parents, it even brings that connectiveness of your family together because it, 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 it's not even a chore anymore. It becomes a part of your lifestyle, and it enhances it to that point that you go, oh, my God, this is, this is, this is the stuff. Well, as you're talking, and, and there, you, you say you're being asked if you're a, a, a prepper, well, do people not watch nature? The squirrels, they gather for the winter, and they store it in their nest, and they store it in, in little uh, hidey holes so that when winter comes and there are no acorns or nuts for them to eat, they will not starve. Well, and you know what, and I think you're right, and, and it's true. Nature is is leading by example, and I, but the other mechanism of it makes it difficult is, oh, you know, Yvonne. People's lives are so like inundated with being busy, trying to keep up. Some people are working two and three jobs. Kids are at school all day. Then you've got the internet. That's another sort of infiltrative factor inside of the family unit. Um, all of that stuff kind of makes it difficult people for people to focus to create that environment they or they say well we can't because well in some cases they can't because it's their living circumstances they might live in an apartment building or but that doesn't mean they can't support local farming and local growing but you know making that time it's a conscious decision it's about the perception of of doing it and when once you start to do it and sort of cut the proverbial digital umbilical cord you can you can kind of start to see what wow this is this is good, I like I like having these feelings and, and 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 maybe growing so much food that you can share it with other people, or maybe you grow so much food that you take it to market, or and and, and then all of a sudden you know it, again it, it it removes that other aspect of your life that you know well it's drudgery because of this it's drudgery because I always hate commercials that are always showing the inept person in the kitchen cutting or doing something you can't do this you can't do this because and da 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 I say bah to those kinds bah of commercials bah humbug bah. exactly because I, I, I think I think it's more interesting trying sometimes than even just having the, the, the repercussions of knowing that it will or won't work it's it's trying that makes the, the the big difference happen and doing it, making it happen. Like you know, Yoda said, "There's no try, there's only do." But people exactly. are even afraid to try try sometimes, right? So I don't know. When my children <laughs> were small, there were times my children would have gone hungry had we not put a garden in my backyard. Because like you, my grandmother taught me to garden when I was a little bitty girl and stayed with her a long time. 
and it was passed down from a generation and to a generation. And it was passed down. It, it, I knew how to go. I knew how to. I knew how to go out there and and fix the ground, and how to lay out the rows, and and what order to plant so that it would come up in the right way. I knew now, when now, it was ready here, to Here's harvest. the thing about that, Yvonne. That practice and the skills and the understanding of that are timeless. They've been going on for generations. And passing that to the next generation is essential. But what does the, let's say, 21st century, uh, 40 to 50-something, that, you know, when they're 80, do they pass apps or something like, you know, um, coupons down to the next generation? What is that that sort of, like, earth-related skill that that is given in that regard? It's not just about language. It's not about the allegory of the family. That's important, too. There's a lot of certain things that are important in terms of that. But that skill, like you said, I'm, I can hear it in your voice, your enthusiasm. When the kids were young, we did this. I learned uh-huh. it from my grandmother. Because that's, there's, and there's even more other yeah. than tending the garden and picking and growing the food and because of the conversations that happen, the problem-solving that goes on. It also it sort of it accentuates the thinking process in a whole other way. So it's healthy from a multitude of of, of re- you don't have, you don't have to join a gym, you know. Really, you don't because you're so tired at the end of the day. And and speaking of, let me play the three ads that I have to play, and then I want to play Red Omen, and then we're going to come back, ladies and gentlemen. We have. Songwriter, singer, performer, and multi-instrumentalist, say that fast three times, Ed Roman with us. And I absolutely love this man. If I I would give my right arm to meet this man in person and hug his neck because I feel like we are kindred souls. I can't tell you the passion that both of us feel in this. So if y'all will just bear with us. And um, Ed, my daughter is on the phone listening in, and she can also tell you that, they were taught how to survive. So if Armageddon comes tomorrow, my three children will know how to live because they were taught how to survive off the land. So we'll be right back. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and the Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. Dot com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. <laughs> you so silly. silly. You silly. Remember Did you write that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. Former Boston PD Captain Stanford Carter and his wife, forensic scientist Jill Seacrest, have decided to move to the Big Apple to accept positions with the New York branch of the FBI. Rookie agent Shania Deeprose completes the trinity as they collide head-on with raging and rampant social, political, and economic unrest amid a string of murders that seem unrelated and may be serial, copycat, thrill, or hate-driven as they struggle to understand the mind and thought process of the orchestrators, killers, and victims, the team begins to wonder 
who's who. The line between black and white, superior and subordinate, right and wrong, and good and evil disappears as they are forced to reevaluate their own thoughts, feelings, and philosophies. Ultimately, every character must come to their own conclusions to these questions. Is justice ever more important than the law? Is playing God justifiable if it's for the greater good of all? Come along for the ride to see if Agent Carter will decide to stick to being a hunter or become judge, jury, and executioner instead. Find the answers to these questions when you read the new book, The Killing Collective. The Killing Collective is a character-driven story with big characters with depth. They're soul-searching in addition to the biggest case of the agent's careers. The Killing Collective, available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback editions. Order your copy today. Spaceship lunchbox and a bathtub full of Legos. And I didn't believe you when somebody said that he fled with Jimi Hendrix to a UFO top eight camp up on Machu Picchu. Up on Machu Picchu. I said, Excuse me, it's not my fault. He's playing the drive so he can't get caught. I said, Excuse Well, give me two words. Well, in my defense, laughing mad. I'm laughing mad. Laughing mad. There's a red hot stove down in Pittsburgh going out hard like a cherry pie. Call me a fibber, call me a liar. To my face, like a cross between Benjamin Franklin and he and Pace. And I didn't believe the man from MI6 living out in the sticks who souped up his side by side like evil Knievel. Just like evil Knievel. I said, Excuse me, it's not my fault. He's playing the crime so he can't get caught. I said, Excuse me. I must confess, well give me two words, well in my defense, laughing mad, I'm laughing mad, I'm laughing mad, laughing mad. Shattered, tired, tattered, beginning to fray. Just like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz, realizing only now you're caught in someone else's claws. And, and I didn't believe in myself if no one else to be making voodoo music in some small town way up in Canada. Way up in Canada. I said, Excuse me, it's not my fault. Playing the crime so he can't get caught I said, excuse me, I must confess Well, give me two words Well, in my defense, laughing mad Well, I'm laughing mad Well, I'm laughing mad back 
I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, songwriter, singer, performer, and multi-instrumentalist. I'm going to learn how to pronounce that word before this show's over. Ed Roman, who is from all the way from Shelburne, Ontario, Canada. Ed, I want to know something. Are all of your songs that upbeat? <laughs> Not all of them. It's like life, you know. It has ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster. Sometimes the ride is wild, and other times you're you're wiping a tear. Um, and that's the I guess the part of the the writing process for me is it's it's about you know life experience and things that I hear people either going through or that I'm going through or sometimes it's just a simple spark you know of an idea that leads to a whole other process of thinking. But uh, I kind of you know I let the I let it lead me you know if it comes up upbeat an upbeat excuse me then. Um, yeah, I want it to be there because it, it wants to be there. But, you know, like it's like, like the I voices said. in my head. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, there's 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 always a, a difference to things, the dialectic of existence. So tell me about Red Omen. It has got such a catchy hook to it. How did that song come about? It sounds like a, a young, a, 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 a grown man who's thinking about his past and his best friend and all these things his best friend had, and that's why I wanted to go play with him so much. <laughs> well, it's actually, it's about me, uh, it, ironically. I mean, I don't really write many songs about my, directly about myself, maybe experiences or feelings, but it's it's an anagram of my own name. I mean, if you, if you jumble the words, it, it spells Red Omen with the play with the vowel. Red Omen is Ed Roman, almost. And... I grew up as a dyslexic. I was sort of labeled this sort of with this sort of disability, but it's really a gift. Um, yes, it is. It, Welcome it to is. my world. <laughs> and and I really wanted to use that play on words because as I started to like really you know struggle with language and 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 reading and writing, my mom she was just a is is a wonderful woman and in the 70s when they're like well your son's hyperactive and you know we're going to put him on Ritalin and da-da. my mom's like no you're not going to put my son on a drug you know nothing about and she spent hours and hours of her time working with me and sometimes that meant like word safaris or my mom would like read to us and I'd be always like well mom what does that word mean and we'd do you know she'd either tell me or we'd go into depths as to where the word came from or how the word was formed so I, I wanted this song to be filled with language and color and, and stories and allegory that's sort of based in partial myth and partial truth, you know, it, because in, 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 a, in a certain way we're kind of left with those things to deal with in our own lives. Is that true? Is that a true story? Did that really happen? Um, so it's salt and peppered with a lot of, of things from my childhood, uh, you know, I, I I loved Jimi Hendrix growing up. Um, we, you know, I think a lot of people love Jimi Hendrix, and he, he was definitely an influential player, writer, musician, composer, uh, world renowned. And at the same time, you know, there's that line in there about going to a UFO base camp on Machu Picchu. My whole family had like this sort of mass aerial phenomenon experience in the late 1960s and it, it was part of our family story you know i remember my my grandparents telling the story my mom and dad talking about the story brothers and sisters so it, it's written in there uh the red hot stove in pittsburgh that's mike stover you know he's down in pittsburgh mike stover the stove uh he he, he so often i hear you know like people will say man your manager he's he's such a nice person He's such an efficient guy. He's so good at what he does. And it's he true. Is. He, he's he like a cherry pie. He's like a cherry pie. And, and, and I, irony, would ha- irony would have it that he's even part, like, goes back generationally. Somehow his family is connected to Benjamin Franklin. Um, so, the, again, the story has that aspect of it, of things that are happening now. And then the future. What is the prediction for the future, you know? Um, all of that is in there in some way to kind of like in a fun, playful way use language and, and words to, to really kind of get you smiling, 
get you dancing, get you chuckling. I'm sure we've all heard of Evil Knievel. We've all heard of Jimi Hendrix. We've all heard of, you know. So it conjures feelings in your own mind, whether they're feelings of mine, but you might recollect on, oh, you remember the time you jumped the Snake River Canyon? Oh, yeah, do you remember that? It was on television. And that. All of that is kind of where I love writing to be. It's not just saying one thing on, on the outside. It has levels that can take you somewhere. And, 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 and get your mind and imagination running and get you excited about your memories because it's really about my that song's about my memories and, 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 and things that I, I enjoy and there's many things that I enjoy but those things made it into the song and, and, and again um, that is the wonderful connections to when we reach out I reached out to the uh, Dyslexia Society and uh, through the facilitating office with a girl named Beth Shear here in Ontario connected me to the head of the society, who's Sue Hall, and they want to get behind the project um, and, and the song itself and try to support it because I'm also creating uh, a video with um, a well-known illustrator and uh, animator Nelson Diaz in New York City, if you've seen SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh-huh. That's Nelson's work, Kung Fu Panda 2. He's done an alarming amount of work for Nickelodeon and Teletoon, but his company in New York, There Be Dragons Creative Media, is creating a full-length uh, animation version of that song, and I'm, I'm really excited that the Whoa. Dyslexia Society is getting behind it. We're doing a release in New York City in the summer. We're doing another one here in Toronto. So, you know, that's the thing. The beauty behind the conundrum, which was they told me I had a problem, has now turned into something really beautiful, that can help out a lot of kids. I want a third of the proceeds of the monies from the, the video sales to actually go to the tutoring programs because they use the Davis method, which Ron Davis is in the United States. He's out on, in California. He's a dyslexic himself and developed the whole tutoring program almost identical to like things that my mom did with us in the 70s when there weren't those kinds of programs. And the Davis Method is in the Netherlands, it's in Germany, it's in France, it's in the UK. Many places around Europe have adapted that now into their education system as sort of like a recognition educational training program for kids that have more of this, and I'll use the word again, gift, which is more this photographic kind of conceptualization of language as opposed to like it, the literal meanings behind certain things are like are sometimes irrelevant. So. If I say to you, a dyslexic, if you say the word elephant, invariably most people will see in their mind's eye, say, an elephant. But if you say the word the or was or saw to a dyslexic, it doesn't conjure a picture. And the Davis method sort of recognizes what this is in kids from a young age and starts to steer them in the right way so that they can develop more of a wavelength in the academic side of the education system. So it's not like see, replacing it. This is why I love this man, because he <laughs> thinks like I do. I have a brother who is mentally and physically challenged, and the daughter that is, is listening in has children who have been labeled, and I hate that word, labeled ADD, ADHD, and dyslexic. My father was dyslexic, and my dyslexia is, is I see things that aren't there or I think I've written something that's not the way it really was or I transpose letters. Been that way all my life. But it's like you said, it's a gift because it makes us unique. Well that's just it. And it and, and it you know what, it's funny because I did a little documentary I just posted it actually the other night uh, on my YouTube channel, and it's called The Art of Dyslexia. And one of the people that I interviewed, along with my mom, who helped us with the problem, my sister, who dealt with the problem, uh, and I'm not problem, the gift, again, um, she had something really amazing to say, amazing but alarming. One, there is almost a direct parallel to the amount of people that are leaving the education system through expulsion, uh, can't keep up with the work, teen pregnancies, all these sort of things they're connected to that same issue that that are directly entering the prison systems in terms yes. of like so what 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 she's basically saying is that the framework as rigid and generalized as it is and maybe in some people's eye 
out of necessity in order to create speed the curriculum develops they move through it but that's it's failing a lot of people in terms of being able to recognize their potentials and abilities outside of the academic world that then can help them understand the academic world by embracing something different. Removing arts programs like music and other things in the schooling system is not healthy because it, no. it, it, removed, it removed that tactical thing that, you know, kids can get their hands on, even art programs, sculpting, textiles. They're all part of that same thing that is in that art conceptualization process. And it's another aspect of the brain. She says this is not the hemispherical aspects in terms of language learning, mathematics is one side, but there's a completely opposite side of the, the brain that needs to be massaged. And when both of them aren't working in concert, it's very difficult, especially inside of that kind of, with that kind of a person and their development in terms of how they are educated, how they grasp things. And if you have a 15- or 16-year-old that can't still spell their name properly by the time they hit high school, that means the education system is failing them. You know, Where like, have you been I, all my life? <laughs> We're all here together. We're all here I together, been, Yvonne. It's your fault. <laughs> I have been preaching this for years. My mother preached this. My brother was born in 1952, and he got encephalitis. And encephalitis is an infection of the lining of the brain. And the right. doctors told my mother to put him away, that he would never amount to anything. My oh, brother was a pioneer in the public school system in Fulton County, Georgia, in the late 50s, early 60s, graduated from high school and has been working since he was seven years old. But he wasn't <laughs> supposed to be any. And my mom had no resources like your mom. There were no resources. But she said the brain's a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it atrophies. Bingo. Bingo. And, 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 and that's another thing why, um, again, with food and agriculture, it goes hand in hand. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, having that sort of healthy lifestyle and, and eating that way, it removes so many of the other things in food, and especially processed foods. Every, and the yeah. basis of them are like salts and sugars. But we can go into like a list of things that we can't even pronounce properly. And I don't want to put that in my body. I don't. I don't want to. I, I want to be. You know, uh, more self-sufficient. You know mm. That in medicines, um, Mucinex, just to name one, in Mucinex they put propylene glycol, and do you know what that is? Yeah, it's uh, ga ga uh, uh, gas line antifreeze. Yes. Yeah. Now, TBH, TBHQ, which is also a derivative of butane. There's yes. there's a there's a huge list of F D and C colorings. Uh yes. they they know that they're carcinogenic. Uh don't get me started about fluoride, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but yet they want us to, they they tell us don't drink antifreeze, it's bad for you, but yet they put it in medicines that are supposed to keep us well. Hey, Yvonne, you and I both probably consumed or bought triscuits years ago. And why they yep. had to change the recipe as a result of that for the, 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 the reasoning is the stable shelf life for a longer duration of time. Well, that may be so, but the, what is the consumer eating? You may not, you know, it's not a, it's not a good thing to be, you know, as, as somebody, if I was to manufacture a product, I don't want to, and this is where I think the, the sort of morals and business or moral ethics inside of manufacturing, and there are great businesses out there doing great things, manufacturing great things for people, and they stand behind their stuff, and I love that about companies. But how can you, in, 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 other than the fact, okay, well, I just want to make a whole lot of money, and I'm going to manufacture junk. I couldn't live with myself, personally. Well, we'll, we'll either all die of antifreeze poison or we'll be very well preserved from all the preservatives in the food. They won't have to embalm us when we die because we'll already be filled with formaldehyde. Well, they know from some exhumations that they've done, whether because they have to move a cemetery or there's something that's going on in the legal, that people aren't. There's there's far more preservatives that are in food that are stopping the level of, de or retarding the level of decomposition. So, I mean, you know, all hail the backyard garden as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> Oh, I'll the carrot, you know, like let's start yes. a vegetable cult. You know? But then but then Ed, you have to you have to also think what's been in that backyard garden? 
what environmental foobarbs have they put in the dirt so that it's not good, rich dirt that grows things healthy because you don't know what chemicals they've put in the yard. Oh, when you get a subdivisional home, I mean, I've seen it happen. They'll remove two to three, maybe even four feet of topsoil. They'll take that away and they'll bag it and they'll sell it to people. And then they bring yeah. in other stuff that's subpar, and then they put turf on top of it. You can't grow much in there. Uh, yeah. Even sometimes the stuff that you buy from a store in a bag, depending on who it is and if it's somebody that's got a farm and they're composting and mixed mulching and they're sell- making it themselves, that's a whole other thing. But they're almost like bioorganically and microscopically dead. They really uh-huh. don't have a lot of juice in them. They actually pump them up sometimes with artificial fertilizers and things like that so you get a boost at the first half of growing. But at the end of the day, you know, four months or two months down the road, you might be going, man, th- 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 these plants are suffering. Like, what's going on here? I thought I bought good dirt. And got the... Yeah, right. Manure is your friend. Yes, it is. We used to raise horses, <laughs> and I love my horse manure. I had the prettiest. That's a shirt. We should go with your manufacturer's shirt. I'll go have these with you. Manure is your friend. <laughs> it, abs- it absolutely is. It makes the best garden. It makes the best pasture you've ever seen because it's all natural. Food yeah. goes in, poop comes out. There you go. It's the circle of life again, right? <laughs> Re- yeah. it's, a, it's a true recycling. You got it. You got it. <laughs> I know my daughter's laughing at us. I can hear her in the background. Well, that's good. She's probably getting a, getting a chuckle out of it. Because she she believes her husband hunts because in that's how they keep fed in the winter time when because he's in construction and it gets lean in Georgia in the winter time with the rain and the ice so he hunts they store up food for the winter. I admire that. You know what I mean. Uh, we've hunt. My brother hunts more than I do, but I've always fished my whole life. Um, and my dad used to hunt. My uncles used to hunt. It's all sort of a skill, again, that's passed down, but it's like when we need to, we do, even on the Uh farm. I mean, we used to cull chickens. I remember doing it, you know, and seeing it happen, and that's the other thing. You remove yourself sometimes at the grocery store from the process of, hey, something has to die in order for us to to live. It just doesn't come in a nice little package. We used to run run (laughs) these things where, so I was in the local school in town, but they all knew I grew up on a farm. So they, twice a year, they'd load up a school bus of kids. We'd all come to the farm. I'd milk some cows. We'd do the, like a, a tour around the farm and talk about it. And nine times out of ten, most kids, like, had never seen a cow. They, uh, you know, they, they, well, that's where milk comes from, you know. Um, and it's gotten a little worse. We take a, a car full of vegetables in a town every once in a while in the summertime, open up the back, go into a subdivision or something, and just start selling stuff out of the back. We test kids. We say, do you know what this is? And, you know, is it a banana? I'm like, come on, man, this is a zucchini. You don't know the difference between a banana and a zucchini? Uh, So I I, I like kind of sparking people's interest. And then when they're all asking questions, the parents all come out with 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Hey, we want some onions. We'll take some potatoes from you guys. So it's it, I'm kind of educating people at the same time while I'm walking around trying to sell vegetables. That is too funny. They think a zucchini is green. I mean, a banana is green. Okay, then. Apparently, they've never seen many bananas. Yeah, I was oh. floored. I was like, or they didn't know the difference between thyme and mint just by smelling it. You know, and I mean, that's a herb or whatever, but at the same time, I mean, thyme is that, like... You know, it's like turkey, Thanksgiving, you know, yeah. soups, and, but mint, hello, toothpaste, uh, candy canes, uh, you know, suckers, you know, candies, whatever. You've you got, got to know the difference, you know, and it's alarming when you don't know that. I mean, the taste and smell and, and how it also accentuates the, the, the eating process or even the memory process. Smell uh-huh. is such an immense trigger for the memory so I'm like, you know, I always get a kick out of it. But it's and, the four-year-old. You know, it's the four-year-old that knew. She's, you know, she was it, like. It's sad. When, huh? It's sad when we have retarded our senses due to lack of interest in our environment and the things around us. Well, you know, and it's again, it's exposure. And if we don't have the exposure, 
the, the consumer species in, that, in generation, in less than a generation, the backyard garden, the victory garden post-World War I, uh, even like at the turn of the century, in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, all of that was commonplace. And when, you know, the advertisement has always sold that those things are drudgery, those things are cumbersome. You don't need to do that. You don't have the time to do that. But when you remove it from your life, you've lost, in my opinion, oh, I, a, a yeah. great portion of that connection that you, you have to your living environment. And I, I, I want that in my life. I don't want the the artificial aspect just for the con- sake of convenience. Because convenience is, is short-lived. Sure is. And then we forget. Think of it this way, Ed. The old adage, if you don't use it, you lose it. Well, what <laughs> we have made up for inconvenience we've lost in common sense knowledge intellect and intelligence right right and that's where again it's like with education as far as i'm concerned kids should be working on and understanding how a garden lives and breathes when they're in grade school uh you know i remember my grade school had no garden it had, it had a soccer field nobody used, baseball diamonds nobody really used, monkey bars, yes, A-frame, you know, the tire swing, jungle gym, that kind of a thing. But other than that, it was a huge field space that a lot of kids, you know, other than some sporting events and stuff, play days and extracurricular stuff that went on, but it was huge. You could have grown enough food in that backyard of that school to have sustained, you know, a big, good portion of that community. And if the kids were involved, those kids oh, today wow. would would have been still growing food today. And you're not going to believe this, but our hour's almost up. Oh dear, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, will you come back? Absolutely, I'd love to. I'll give you that big hug around the neck too when I see you. Okay, I expect you to come to South Florida and give it to me. I expect okay. that. <laughs> Where about you, South Florida? Are you de- like Deer Beach, Deerfield Beach? Uh, no, we are between West Palm Beach and Daytona. Okay, beautiful area. Yeah, we're in Port, we're on the Treasure Coast in Port St. Lucie. Nice. My mom's on the yeah. other side, and she's in uh, St. Pete's. Oh, I know where St. Pete is. We have friends over there. Yeah, Clearwater. Yeah, know exactly where it yeah. is. See, so when you come Lovely. to Florida, you can just come across the state to the east Treasure Coast side on the east side, and we'll just have a big old hug. I'm in. I'm in. All right, so you will come back, and when you come back, let's delve more into the uniqueness of children that are gifted with these unique gifts that they're so blessed with. I'm in. I'm in. Okay, I'll 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 send Michael some dates, and you've hooked up with me on Facebook. And don't hang up when the show goes dark because i got some things to tell you, but before it goes dark, I want to thank you so, so much for this wonderful, wonderful hour. You have rejuvenated me after a very long and trying day, and I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Uh, you it, it was off the chain. <laughs> As always. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find all of Ed Roman's music. Tell them where they can find your music and where they can find you. You can come and see me at edroman.net on the World Wide Web. You'll find all my social networking buttons there, like Twitter and Instagram, my YouTube channel, Facebook. You can check me out on SoundCloud with a bunch of my older material. You can get my latest record on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby. It's red. It's fun. It's got a rooster on it. It feels good. Absolutely. And and the rooster is because it's back to earth. It's back to nature. It's back to the roots of our being. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, radio host Gary Allen will be here, so join us. And remember what I always say at the end of the show, people will forget your name, they will forget what you look like, they will forget what you're wearing, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you made them feel. And I hope and pray that every one of you, listeners and guests alike, when you leave this show, that you always feel like you're the most important person in the room because you are. It is not an act. Each one of you are very important to me personally. And I include you all in my prayers every night. might not know you all by name, but you are in my prayers because to me that is very important because my faith does sustain me. And also, remember this, when you look at yourself in the mirror in the mornings, 
don't say I feel special today. You say I am special because you are. And only you can believe that before others will believe it. So with that being said, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining my guest, musician Ed Roman, and I tonight. Join us tomorrow night here at Off the Chain at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. And until then, we hope that you have a very good evening. And go and get Ed's music. Hook up with him. You'll love it. Trust me. So with that being said, we say good night and see you tomorrow night. Okay, we're off the air, So, but everything we say will go up into the archive show. It's like the outtakes of a movie. They will hear this conversation, but that's okay. But what I wanted to tell you is when we get off the air, the show will go up into archives, and once it archives, I'll put the link on my page, and I'm going to tag you and Michael in it. I want Wonderful. You to take, I want you to take this show and put it everywhere. Absolutely. And it gets I was sharing it all over my social media and everything that was going on today. I was talking about it. So, yes, I want to share it for sure. I love your, I love your show. You've got great questions, amazing energy, and just a wonderful vibe. And, by the way, the Maya Angelou quote was great at the end of the show. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, see, yeah. I don't script the show. Scripting the show to me is, is as plastic as my credit card. <laughs> and and the reason we call it off the chain is I never will know where a conversation's going to go. But that's why it's good when it's scripted. And like it's one thing to say, okay, well we're going to talk about this, but just to leave it at that, it's like a good yeah. improv solo. If you're listening, you bounce off of each other, you have a little fun, gets a little crazy, gets a little serious, but usually it's real. And and my shows are nothing but real. <laughs> You got it. It was a great show. You're an amazing host. Well, tomorrow I'm going to put the show up on Spreaker, SoundCloud, uh, MixCloud if it's up and running, Podcast.com, and Podcast Garden. From there and from this show, it automatically goes up on iTunes, YouTube, FM.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and it is working its way to Spotify, and it also shows up on some oddball sites that I don't put it up on third parties do. So huh. I will tag you in those links, too, because this show is heard everywhere. Good on you. You know, it's, I'm proud to be on the on the show because it's like when you said that about, like, you know, you're doing ads for people in 10 bucks, but you're you're wanting to make things connect and work for people. It means a lot. You know, for independents like myself and other people that are doing what we're doing to have that kind of love and support. Um, I, I meant it when, you know, this whole advent of this part of technology that we've embraced, as crazy as it is sometimes, it's still very in its infancy stage. Internet yeah. 92, you know, all this new technology to be able to set up these platforms, and it's very new, but it's so special. Because it has something that that the other sort of big radio, paid radio, big part of the system doesn't have, which is that sense of sharing and giving. So it's it's a pleasure, really. Well, thank you. And it also, Ed, it also opens up avenues. For years and years and years, and I've preached this since day one, for, for centuries, we've been told what to read, what to listen to, what to watch. And indie artists have broken that mold. We are offering up things that years ago would have been an impossibility to get out there. You're right. <laughs> and and I, I was co- would have costed a fortune or something. Yes. And yeah. and I was I, when I when I started when I published my first book back in 2007 because I've been rejected from the 90s. I said, I'm done with this. I'm I'm taking my destiny in my own hands. Good for you. It it started breaking that mold, and I embraced social networking. I had other indie authors going, I'm not going to put myself out there. You know, it's too dangerous. I said, okay, don't, but you're not going to sell a damn thing. Right. You've got to embrace it's a two, It's a double-edged sword, but you've still got to embrace it, because if you don't embrace it, you're going to lose an audience that you might want. 
You know what? I have to tell you this just because of the kind of person you are and the vibe that you're in and, and everything. I saw this wonderful documentary here in Canada the other night. And I'm trying to remember what it's called again, but it's oh yes, Science versus God. And, oh. and if, if you get a chance to see it, maybe it's on Netflix or something like that. I don't know. But what's amazing about it is it almost summates exactly what we've been talking about, this sort of connection to our living environment and a higher source. And, and you're, the, one of the things in your statement you just said before that, you, people didn't want to do that. Okay, fine, you don't do that. Then you're going to miss out. You're not going to sell. The, uh, the species that doesn't adapt and start to change as a result, even though it may be difficult, but uses the tool to their advantage, will survive. Exactly. Those that don't or go the way of the dodo. And the, yeah, they die out because they cannot, uh, they cannot evolve. And right. and yes, I be, I be, there, there was a creation. I believe in God. I believe there's. But as human beings and as a species, we evolve with the environment, with the times, and with the technology. We don't stand still because if we stand still, we die. <laughs> You're right. Do you do you know what Francis Crick? He was the. Uh, the guy, along with what's his last name again, Robertson, that had developed and figured out how to map and chart the DNA strand. Yes. Okay, and then he they asked him what he thought about the existence of, of a higher being. And he said, well, let me put it to you this way. The chances of all these chemicals and everything that we have in our universe amalgaming in this way in such a short period of time is impossible. He said, you would actually have more likelihood of having a hurricane pass through a junkyard and having a 747 jet fueled and flying on the other side than you would of it by happening by chance. I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're going to end this so I can go check on my husband. Go, yes, I'm go, free. go. People be with him. You're a beautiful woman. I love talking to you. Well, I didn't get to play all of your songs I had in the queue because we got so involved in other things. So we'll do it. We'll do it next time, girl. We'll do it next time. Well, and tell Michael to send me some more because I love your music, and we'll just. I will. I will. We'll and have I'll a look ball. for Michael's messages about another date, and I'm looking forward to it already. It'll be fun. It will be. It will be lots of fun. So thank you again, my dear friend, and you're welcome. My best to your family too, and your husband. Thank you, sweetheart, and keep doing what you do. You too. All right, honey, talk to you later. Bye-bye, bye. Bye-bye.